singing tonight. We'll turn back in our Bibles to the book of Titus. And just to kind of just to kind of catch up, we're back in chapter number one, and we'll work our way back down into chapter number two, and uh, uh, where we were um, Sunday, and just kind of keeping our mind the context of what's being done here. Uh, this is, of course, the Apostle Paul writing to Titus, my own son after the common fate. And um, we know, of course, we're in chapter 1 now, verse number 5, this calls, left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And then he lays out some qualifications. You find him in other places as well, but he lays out some qualifications for the elders that he wants to uh, ordain in every city. And... Um, there's some things that are left in here uh, as much as it is required um, of a elder. Um, I'm glad being perfect is not one of them, right? Then there wouldn't nobody qualify. And I've thought often about this, and I, I know I've said it before. I'm going to say it again, especially for the ears of our young folks, especially. Um, but it's good for all of us to remember um, that um, the best of men are men at best, right? We've heard that being said over and over. And uh, I think a lot in our uh, churches we have such a high respect for the office, and I say amen for that. There should be great respect for the office of an elder. Um, and um, along with that, a lot of times you have great love and respect for God's men, and you should. You should. I don't discourage that. But you don't follow men, right? I know I've said that. I want to say it again. But here's what can also happen because here's the great problem that you have is men will and undoubtedly they will fail you at some point in time, right? And so I have seen people lose confidence in the truth because they were following a man. And so, um, and I think he, I think that some of what he's going to lay out here uh, for us is, uh, you know, we we are we are following the truth, right? We're following Jesus, and Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." And God uses broken men most often than not. God uses some of the most, as one man put it, crooked sticks to draw straight lines or something like that. And by that he doesn't mean crooked in their dealings. But men that are imperfect often preach the word of God. And they're going to fail you. And you know what the devil will use if you see them fall or if they do something that hurts you. You'll have a tendency to turn your back on everything and turn your back on the truth and say, have this thought will come in your mind. There's just nothing to it anymore. Am I telling it right, men that have been in church a while? Uh, and you sit there and think, well, you know what? There's just nothing to this anymore. Because uh, 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 I, I know I've done it myself. The men that I held up in the most highest esteem uh, in my life, I found out they were just, they were just men. Right? And then it was almost shocking to my system that somehow, listen, there's nothing wrong with the truth or the way because of how men uh, walk in it, right? We don't judge the way by the walk of a man, right? The way is right because we follow Jesus. No matter what a man does with the truth, we're after the truth, right? 
And so keep that in your mind uh, because uh, it's, certain, it's certainly uh, capable for me uh, as a pastor, an elder, he is telling me to speak things that have become the sound doctrine. So that must mean there's a possibility I could say something that is not sound doctrine. Right? I've heard some great men say some things. I'm not sure if it's sound doctrine or not. Right? But that's why you got a King James Bible. And the Holy Ghost inside of you. And you can judge men uh, by the Word of God. And you can judge their preaching by the Word of God. But God uses broken men. God, uh, the greatest man born of a woman. God, would you say that Jesus was mistaken when he said that not a greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist? John the Baptist doubted, is this the Messiah or should we seek another? Did God use Peter? Sure God used Peter. Do we need to go through David's failures tonight? Sure, God used David. Did God use Moses? Did Moses uh, mess up? Sure, Moses messed up. Uh, amen. Come on now. God uses me. But that doesn't belittle the, the, the uh, uh, David still said this, I will not touch God's anointed. Now that's not a New Testament verse now. But what he is saying is he had respect to the office in which that man was, uh, was appointed by God to be, which he was. It didn't mean he didn't want to strangle David for what he was, Saul for what he was doing as a man. Uh, but uh, he said, I'm not going to be the one to let God judge me by coming against him. And so that was, uh, in essence, what he was saying. Did Saul mess up? Sure, Saul messed up. Saul got a, uh, the Bible said he, got a, he had a new heart. Right? The Spirit of God did some things for Saul. I believe Saul was a saved man. And uh, Saul messed up in the end. He got selfish. It all became about me, myself, and I. He said, I'll avenge myself of mine enemies. He'd kill anybody that got in his way. And David was a shepherd. And God wanted to love the sheep. Two different types of men. But God used both of them, didn't they? And both of them failed. And so we have to remember that. Doesn't mean there's nothing to it. Doesn't mean that there's, uh, 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 when men fail, it, it, what, it, what, it, what it means is, uh, is that you better just keep your eyes on Jesus because he'll never fail you. And that'll remind you. Doesn't mean, I want, I want you young men, I want the men you look up to. I certainly don't want you to look up to LeBron James. I wouldn't give you a nickel for that guy. <laughs> Now, here we go again. Don't get me off on that stuff. Don't amen that. I'll start getting excited about it and preach against him. Right? I, I want these men to look up to men like Brother Jones and uh, Ray Beard and, 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 and these men that walk with God and love God and preach the Word. But they're not infallible. Neither am I. We're not infallible. We're men. And so you have to remember, well, God lays out some qualifications and has high expectations for the man that occupies this office of an elder. And uh, though it's been uh, belittled some in our day, God still has high expectation for the man of God because he can't preach and keep a good testimony among those that are without and have any, any weight behind what he's saying if he doesn't walk according to these things that is going to be laid out. So um, it's very important while uh, a lot of times 
the people get uh, the most brunt uh, of, the, of the thing here. Uh, God has the highest uh, expectation for his bishop, for these elders, for the pastor. Uh, it must be blameless and he goes on to lay them out as a, as a steward of God. Not self-willed, not soon angry and lays all those things out. And then he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set some things in order and I want you to, the first thing I want you to deal with is deal with these Jews uh, that are teaching things that they should not teach. Right? God wanted him to straighten out the teaching uh, because uh, the, you, can't, you couldn't corrupt in, in a, a group of people any worse than teaching them something that's wrong. I mean, you look at people uh, that have been raised in, uh, in some of these schools and some of these uh, liberal government schools and they've taught them socialism and you could play a movie uh, of, of Hitler and his national socialism and they'd still want socialism. You can show bread lines of people in Venezuela and they'd still want it. Why? Because they've been taught that and, and they've been this word, indoctrinated. Right? They've been indoctrinated. You couldn't get it out of them if you want to. While they live in a free country with two cars in the garage and a house big enough to put all of us in, and they want to put us back under that mess. Why? Because they were taught that. They were indoctrinated. And so he said, I want you to have be of the character that you can say some things that I want you to say. And the first thing I want you to deal with is a rebuke. The Christian Christians that they should not have a testimony as having evil, that be an evil beast and slow bellies, right? He said, this witness is true. Even of their own, here's what is said of these folks, and no Christian should have a testimony like that. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. He went on about lost people. Now, this doesn't mean the exclusion of lost people, but he wouldn't expect a lost man to be sound in the faith. He'd expect him to be born again, right? And so uh, these Christians, can I say something about uh, their, their nature? You find this, you talk to missionaries and Americans are a certain way. And I preach to Americans that a certain way. I could say something and say, a lot of Americans are just spoiled brats. And we say, man, we're spoiled to death. But you talk to a missionary, you talk to Phil Highland in Australia, and he'll tell you something else about the people that live in Australia. There's just a characteristic behind them. And what he was saying about these Christians is, naturally to them, they're liars. They just soon tell a lie than do anything, right? They're evil beasts and slow belly. And he said, now, wherefore this witness is true, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. We covered that. And then I want you, what I want you to do, and what's, what's really causing most of the problem is these Jews that are teaching unsound doctrine. They're teaching things they shouldn't. They're teaching things. And what was the primary thing they were teaching as Jews? They were trying to put folks back under the law, Right? And Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So he did not want them to bring these Christians, these Christians back under the law any more than he did those in Galatia. He wanted them to understand uh, that all things are pure to them. You're, you're washed, you're cleaned, you're justified, and you can eat anything you give thanks for. It's all okay to you. Uh, and, and instead of putting them back under circumcision and divers washings and all those various things of the law, which he's mainly dealing with meats here, I think, and things to eat that the Jews were trying to say were unclean to the, those Christians. Did Paul not see that and he finally come to a place when they were all talking together uh, there with James and the rest of them and he said uh, we'll just come to the place where they, as long as they don't eat things offered to the idols or mingled with blood right because the Jews could not let go of that law right they 
they saw Moses and held Moses up. And Jesus said, Moses, testified of me. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, Jesus. And so what it's not saying here though, because he's going to go on to say, what it's not saying is that you're being put under the law by somebody preaching holiness. Now that's where modernists have missed it. They say, oh, you're not under the law, and by that, and I say, hallelujah, that I'm not under the law. Don't you? Thank God I'm not offering turtle doves tonight. Jesus has paid the ransom, and he has satisfied God for me, and as far as me being a son, I'm as good as in seated in the heavens tonight. But, uh, uh, and I thank God for that. <laughs> but what, but what, what they mean by you're not under the law is that it doesn't matter if you commit adultery anymore. Really, nothing matters. Jesus is, it's all about Jesus. Remember, we talked about that Sunday. And that's what they mean by that. Well, that's not what I mean by it. I mean, grace has come and said, don't go a mile with a man, go two miles with him. Grace has now come and God saved you. And now he said this, you've got the love of God shed abroad in your heart now and you can fulfill all the law in this, that you love God and love one another. Right? And so love, which is a, a much higher expectation, uh, and you must be born of God to be able to love, love properly. And, uh, and so we looked at those scriptures, love uh, doesn't behave itself unseemly, right? So, so along with love doesn't mean that you're free to just live in sin, right? Now, I know that seems very basic to a lot of us. Most of us, even our own conscience, if you're saved, you know better than that. And uh, uh, so, uh, but a lot of people in our, in our uh, even in fundamental churches anymore, uh, preach it as though uh, because you're not under the law, that equals that you're free to live any way you want to. And that's just not so, right? It's just not true. You can't read the Bible and come up with that. If you're involved in a whole lot of sin and you're trying to find an excuse for it, that sounds pretty familiar to me, right? Well, I'm not under the law. Don't judge me. Don't put me under bondage. If I want to smoke pot, I can. I'm free. Yo, you're not free. You're fooled. (laughs) Somebody's bewitched you. Fooled you. That's not so. Now, you're free to do it as incapable. I believe that. I believe a Christian can do some downright rotten things. I've seen them do it. And you know how I know for sure? Because I've been one. A Christian that's done some things I shouldn't have done. Said some things I shouldn't have said. So sure, you're capable of it, but that's not God's expectation for us, is it? Not to save you and leave you in rebellion, right? Go and sin no more. That sounded like something familiar, didn't it? Woman, where are thine accusers? Does no man condemn these? No man, Lord, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. Well, that brings us up to where we ended Sunday. And uh, so we've got down through here, look at verse number 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Important to keep the word of God and do not let anyone or anything turn you from the truth. Nobody. Anybody that's teaching you anything contrary to this book is not even worth lending an ear to. Right? Somebody that, it, that would encourage you in rebellion is not somebody I'd lend an ear to. Because that's not Biden, right? Everybody okay? Amen. All right. So not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. And then he goes on to verse number 15. I want to 
slow down just a little bit because we touched on this, but I want to, under the pure, all things are pure. Paul echoed that when he said, um, all things are lawful to me, but not expedient, right? And I'll not be brought under the power of any. So under the pure, all things are pure. Who would the pure be? Saved people? Saved people are pure. God saved you. He purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He purified you, right? He purified your mind, your thinking, your conscience, your will. You're pure inside. God saved you, sealed you the day of redemption and put his Holy Ghost inside. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Pure. Under the pure, all things are pure. And unto the unbelieving, the defiled, nothing is pure. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled. You know, I've worked with people, many of you, I know you have too. But you can't, you can't even say something. You, you, you know, every, every word that comes out of somebody's mouth, they think in a perverted way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can't even get, you can't even get somebody to come in. And you get, you get somebody to come in, men, let's think about this. And somebody comes in and you're sitting down eating with a bunch of men and somebody comes in uh, who a lot of men's heads are looking at, okay? Now as a saved man, you know what we ought to think? Lord, please help that young lady. God help them. I, you know, they need to be saved. We need to be thinking pure, right? You, you've done it. I've done it. Lord, help them. Lord, help that young person. Help this lady. Help that individual to get saved, get born again, or whatever, you, whatever you're thinking. But your, your mind's not so defiled that it's thinking what it shouldn't be thinking, is it? You might, you might have some thoughts that come to your mind, but there's a Holy Ghost that's in there that's saying, uh-uh, oh, I wouldn't think like that. Everybody okay? But you know what? The, the unbelieving... Those that are not saved and don't believe, their conscience is defiled. It's laden with the guilt of sin. Their conscience. And their, their mind is defiled. Nothing's pure to them. Does anybody ever hear a testimony of somebody got saved and it looked like the whole world was different? I saw things different, brother. Now, I know, I don't want to preach experience now because everybody's experience is different. Please, don't take my experiences. I'm just giving you what happened to me. This is not the rule because uh, everybody progresses differently. But when I got saved, I didn't have an overwhelming uh, just rush. A lot of people talk about a feeling lighter, the load of sin. Being, I didn't have an overwhelming bit of that. I didn't have an overwhelming sense of uh, uh, peace or joy or anything until a little bit later as I went on and, and thought about what God had done for me. But one thing I can say, I was... My mind was changed. Where I saw everything is defiled. Everything was unpure. I was suspect of everybody. Everybody is wicked. Everybody's wrong. Everybody's just as perverted. Everybody's just as messed up. When God saved me, my mind changed. It was, it was no longer so defiled in its thinking any longer. That's what God will do for you. Now, uh, obviously, uh, we can have some problems there. But that's not the rule. Right? If you get to thinking on sin too much, uh, you have your mind just as messed up as it's always been, right? That's why we're to cast down imaginations and think on good things, right? But people that are unbelieving, their mind, their conscience, everything's defiled and nothing's pure to them. Now, I'm not saying in essence that's exactly what it's saying here. What it's actually talking about is the actual meats that they were refraining from. And he was talking about the Jews. He wasn't talking about saved Jews that had a little bit of messed up doctrine. He was talking about lost Jews that were trying to add to the gospel. 
right? And put them back under commandments of men. Trying to put them back under carnal and diverse washings and all those various things and abstaining from meats. And what he's saying is that he had to deal with it many places is that all those things are pure to those that are pure inside. So can I say something? A change in your location, changing your surroundings won't change what you are. Right? What does Christianity say? Socialism says the problem is unjust laws. Does it not? It preaches if you would fix the unjust laws, then you could take the, you could take the beggar from the dunghill and raise him up. You could take the man out of the ghetto if you would just stop oppressing him with oppressive laws. You'll never change what that man is. Christianity says, no, he needs to be pure on his inside before he can ever affect the outside. And you can put a man that's pure on the inside and in a defiled place and him keep a pure mind if he'll stick with God. You better believe that. The Bible said if we'll walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so the Bible said the lust of the spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh lusteth against the spirit. What does it mean? That they're battling directly contrary to one another? No. The spirit is desiring, is lusting to do certain things and you're, which is contrary to your flesh. Your spirit's wanting to pray and your flesh is going, uh-uh, no way. Your, your spirit's wanting you to read the word of God and guide you in the truth. And your flesh is saying, huh? And they're contrary to one another. Amen. And the flesh is wanting to do all the things that are listed out there in those verses. It's wanting, to, it's wanting to fulfill its lustful desires. And the spirit's over here. And that's exactly contrary to what it wants to do. And so these two are at war with each other. Because right. one's pulling you in one direction and one's pulling you in another direction. And the only hope is for a man to be born again and God purify him and give him the power of the Spirit of God or he'll never overcome that flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that we can ever make this flesh any better than it is uh, than it was originally when it was born. I don't believe that. That flesh is just as wicked as it's always been. You'll never improve the flesh, never. But what you can do is walk with God and not fulfill what it's wanting to do. Amen. Yield yourself to what the Spirit's wanting you to yield to and you'll not fulfill those lusts. Doesn't mean the lusts won't be there. Doesn't mean you won't have a flesh that won't do stuff it shouldn't want to do. That's always going to be a battle. You're going to fight the rest of your life. But hallelujah for the Spirit of God that's, that's pulling you in the right direction. That's trying to take you in the right direction. Amen. Isn't that wonderful to have? That's a... Uh, I appreciate Brother Ains is preaching. He was talking about those uh, uh, things that a Christian would have out of 1 John. And that was just a wonderful thing. Uh, you started uh, when you got saved. There's a battle inside of you that wasn't ever being fought before. And uh, I'm slowly learning more and more about it. But uh, I'd say we're going to keep on battling it, ain't we, Brother Jones? Until <laughs> God takes us out of here. So under the pure, all things are pure. Now look at verse 16, verse, uh, chapter 1. They profess they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. This is those that Jesus will say, uh, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Okay, uh, this has been used uh, in a way uh, to really cause a lot of doubt in people's lives. And, and uh, again, I'm not, I, I don't know how I feel about that one way or the other and how it's been preached. But let me keep it in its context. They profess that they know God is talking about those Jews. Right? These unbelieving and, undef these unbelieving and defiled conscience in mind. That group of people, right? They claim that they know God. But in works, they deny him, right? Being abominable. And uh, uh, they uh, uh, are disobedient and God rejects their every work, 
right? That's what he does at the end. We've cast out many demons, right? They're so convinced they're going to heaven. They've been in hell a thousand years. God raises them up and they still argue with God and tell him he made a mistake. We've prophesied in your name. Depart from me, I never knew you. You work iniquity. How is working iniquity casting out demons? They did, evidently, they, they probably did it. And I don't know why God allowed them to do it. Maybe for the benefit of those others. I don't understand all those things. But this much I know. God said, I never knew you. And that's what's important. And their works are being... Now, look at chapter 2. We'll go into chapter 2 and just take just a couple of minutes and look at chapter number 2. Now, here he turns back again to the man of God. This would be to my instruction here, but be good for everybody. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So I have to be careful with that. Every preacher has to be careful of that. Here's what doesn't, here, here's what, here's what I don't preach. Let me, let me give you an example. My opinion may not be sound doctrine, right? Some feeling I had based on some story when I was a kid may not be sound doctrine. But I can tell you if I stay in this book, right here is sound doctrine. You can trust this book. I, I may be wrong sometimes, and I'm sure I am and shall be many times. But this book is never wrong. Right? So I'm to speak things that are becoming. Now let's look at that word because he's going to use it several times, which become sound doctrine. What it means there is that adorn sound doctrine. Things that, things that are worthy of sound doctrine. As long as I speak things that I speak that, uh, that are properly adorned, that properly um, uh, 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 show forth sound doctrine, uh, then, then I'm okay. As long as I not just preach, but speak those things. And it'd be good for all of us to limit a lot of our speaking to sound doctrine, wouldn't it? Get us out of a lot of trouble. But uh, now let's... let's, let's uh, that's, that's for me, that's a lot I have to really think about and, and, and deal with. Um, so you have to keep in mind, if I'm being commanded to speak things that become sound doctrine, any man could have the tendency to say something that was unsound. And you need to have that as your expectation uh, sometimes with, with men. Okay, now verse number two. Now he turns from that, the man of God. Remember, he's setting some things in order. Remember, the whole city's messed up. And even the Christians are starting to act like their old selves. Right, their old man is starting to manifest itself again, right? Uh, and so he said, he sends the man of God in there and he said, I want you to finish some things up. I've established some things, but now here's what I want you to do. And I want you to set some things in order. I want you to set this sound doctrine. I want you to get that right. And then I want you to deal with sin. These Christians, I want you to rebuke them sharply that they'd be sound in the faith. And then he said, it comes to chapter number two. And he says in verse number two, he said that the aged men be sober. Now, this is a word. We don't have time to go into uh, too much detail of this, but this is a word that's used uh, not not just for the preacher, but for the aged man, the women, the young women, the young men. God wants our minds and our thinking to be serious and sober about the things of life. Amen. Right? Well, it ain't a big deal if I just uh, uh, mess around with this a little bit. Uh, and, and uh, No, you better, you, especially young men, you better have a sober mind and be seriously thinking about the things of God. Nothing else that you do in life will ever matter except what you've done with Jesus. That's the only thing that will outlive you. The only thing that will follow you into eternity is what you've done for Jesus. Right? Think soberly. 
Put things in a perspective. Think serious. Uh, when you're younger, you have a tendency to have a mind uh, that's silly and that uh, uh, doesn't think and take things very serious. Uh, God, on the contrary, wants us to take things extremely serious. Uh, we, we ought to take church more serious than we do. We ought to take preaching more serious than we do. We ought to take sin more serious than we do. Right? Think soberly. So he wants to age the aged me, and I, I don't want to say aged because it sounds too close to ancient. And if you get offended by that, you'll just have to no. I don't think it really means aged necessarily in the sense of what we would call uh, well, I'm going to get out of that before I get myself in trouble real quick. Aged men uh, could, I, you know, I think even here, um, you know, I don't want to put an age limit or anything like that on it. Uh, but I think it'd be similar. Uh, it does have to do with the age of your time of years. An older man uh, by reason has exercised himself and uh, uh, been able to come through some things and learn patience. And, and so here's where he starts. He starts with the preacher, starts with the man of God, and then he starts with the aged men. And wants the aged men uh, to help in establishing order and to help get some things under control there in Crete. So uh, you see the progression of what God's wanting to do. So he turns to that, that man of God and gets him right, uh, which is a lot of the problem in a lot of places. Get the man of God right. But then he turns and he goes to the aged men. He said, here's what I want you to do, aged men. I want you to be sober. So uh, number one, I want you to be serious and sober-minded in your thinking. I've got the definitions if you want to uh, have those. But um, uh, the best uh, that I could come up with uh, for the sober is serious. Um, we ought to take serious the things of God. Sometimes our children don't take God seriously because they don't see the aged men taking God very seriously. Right? We preach, don't forsake the assembly yourselves against men or some is, and, and, and we don't take church very serious. I wonder why our kids don't take church very serious. Because we don't. Right? They got to see us leading the way. So young men, you see that man of God whose faith follow, but you also watch them aged men and uh, watch how they, uh, their faith. Uh, there's these men that have been in this church that have labored here faithfully all over this church and kept this thing going. And you keep your eye on them and how sober they are. They take this thing serious. And I could call their names out in here tonight. About every one of them. They're serious about the things of God. And that's something you ought to look up to. There's a lot you could see about people. The devil, I know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm pressing my time. Just give me a couple of minutes. Uh, uh, the devil will magnify the failures of people in your mind. And that the devil will get you to see Brother, Brother Reed's failures. He won't let you see. I use Brother Reed because I know he won't get mad at me. Uh, and so I use Brother Reed. I want to use somebody else, Brother Reed, for a while. Uh, but uh, uh, he'll magnify something Brother Reed's done. Hurts. But does he magnify the fact that uh, Brother Reed, I, I'd say you could count on uh, maybe two hands in 40 years how many services you miss. Am I telling it right, Brother John? As favor, you could say that about several of you men in here. He's not going to magnify that in your mind. You know what he wants to stick out to you? He wants you to see how these aged men might have a failure somewhere. Because they do have them. Same thing with your preacher. And you can dwell on that if you want to and say, well, so-and-so done this. And so you know what? I'm done. I'm quitting. There ain't nothing to it. I'm just going to turn my back on it because of this man's faith. Well, what about the good things? What about all those times he come visited you? What about those times he called you, check on you? Come on now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But you get, you get one thing go wrong and the devil will magnify that thing in your mind and you'll never forget it. You'll hold that against that part. Listen, think on the good things and, and watch how sober they are. These men are sober about the things of God. 
And, uh, and uh, if you're an aged man and you're in the church and you're not, I suggest you be doing it, right? Be grave. That means to be honest. Boy, that's a good thing for the aged men to have. Joshua, Jeremy, my, all of us too. I don't know where we fit. We're somewhere in limbo in between these two groups, I think. I don't know where to put it. Yeah. But I'm going to learn from each one. We might not be in the aged men yet. I don't know. But uh, grave means to be honest. I, I tell you, I, I worry about anybody that won't be honest. I just, got, I just have a couple of minutes. I, if I could exhort you to do anything, here is, here is, there, there is a, there is a pro, I'm telling you, even when God saves you, you men know exactly what I'm talking about. God can save a man that's been a liar and it'll take years. People will never trust anything he's got to say. I'm telling you, even if God saves you and puts you, people will always have in their mind, once you get a reputation that you're a liar, it's nearly impossible to break it. If you want to keep a good name, tell the truth and be honest. Be honest. And uh, uh, I'm, let me let's at least finish the verse. So, uh, grave, be honest. And hey, can I exhort you to something? You can see that in these men. I made a list one time, it'd help you to do it, of the men God put in my life and what the strengths that they have uh, that, that helped me so much. And you could put, I could go down and list them. I could call it Brother, brother uh, Jeff's a praying man. Uh, brother, uh, brother Baloo was a preaching man. Brother Bearden was a church man. I could go down uh, and, and just go right down the line of the men God's put in my life. If you wanted to, I could name you several failures of each of them. I spent a lot of time with them. But I'm not going to focus on that. God's helped me to see what they did right and try to follow those things. Let's do that for each other. Wouldn't that be good? We know a lot about each other. You know a lot about people in your family, don't you? God lets you see the good and the bad. And we need to focus on the good things about folks. Everybody's got failures, don't they? I want to try to learn and get something, some good things from folks. Sound in faith. They're temperate. They're grave. They're honest. They need to be honest. They need to be... Temperate. This verse means that they should have self-control and moderate. Be temperate. Able to control their themselves. That's a that's a good that's a good thing to have, isn't it? Aged men, we need to need to be temperate. Need to be able to control ourselves. Need to be then he goes on and I'm gonna finish this up because we need to go home. I want the aged men to be sound in faith. In charity and in patience. Boy, that's a mouthful, isn't it? I mean, that's a high expectation, is it not? To be sound. That, that would mean, that would mean uh, to be whole. That, that would mean uh, if, you, if you go to the doctor and he takes your blood pressure and... Uh, Takes your temperature and gives you a whole check and gives you a bill of health. Medically, you're sound. Nothing wrong with you. I want nothing wrong with your charity. Nothing wrong with your patience. Boy, that's a lot to expect out of a man. But God expects it out of us, doesn't he? Take note of those folks that are this way. and Model yourself after them. They've learned some things. Some men have strengths in certain areas and uh, try, to, try to figure out what, what, what makes them the man that they are. What do they learn? Spend, I tell you, I got exhorted to spend time with older men and it's done me well in my life to spend time with older men. Not just older preachers. 
There's older men in this church that have fought just as many battles as any preacher alive, right? Older aged men, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Boy, this is a lot. Now he's going to turn and he's going to turn to the aged women. Now he doesn't immediately go from the aged men to the aged, to the, to the young men. And I think that's, well, I've gotten thinking about that. The, the women have a lot to do with both groups, the younger men and women. Uh, but he turns in verse number three, he's going to deal with the aged women and some things that they need to be uh, because there's those watching them. And he's going to deal with that. I think we need to be done tonight. It's, it's, uh, I've used my time up. But um, speak things that become sound doctrine. Aged men, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. That's a, that's a, I'd say we'll spend a lifetime trying to get that done. Amen. God help us. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the word. We couldn't thank you enough for the light of the word of God. Thanks for helping us. We're all a mess. None of us, Lord, have arrived. So help all of us to be a help to one another. Help us to learn from these, the aged men, these aged men in the church that have stood by and been faithful. And they've, Lord, they fought the battles and stayed in love with the Lord, stayed faithful and true to God's church. And Lord, there's a lot to say about that. Thank you, Lord, for those men. Thank you for those you've put in our church. We love you. I thank you for these that have been here tonight. Help all of us, Lord, where we can not be forgetful hearers, but go home and put in practice these things we've learned from the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Stand to your feet just a moment. If you need to come, Brother Reed's going to give a verse. If you need to come, you come on. Mind the Lord.